lovelies to the Ultimate Dance Business Podcast. My name is Deborah Laws, the dance business expert. My passion is to help you turn your passion into profit while guiding you to work less and earn more. I'm super excited to share interviews with you that I know will inspire and motivate you in your schools, as well as my solo shows where I shall be sharing some great tips and strategies. So if you love the show, please do remember to review, subscribe and share it with your fellow dance boss friends. So let's get stuck into the business of dance. Well, I am so thrilled today to introduce Fiona Ramasamy to you guys. Fiona, welcome. Hello. Hi, Deborah. Thank you for having me. Now, you and I go back um, a fair old way. We are both uh, ISTD teachers. In fact, at one stage, we also both were regional representatives for the mm, ISTD. That's right. <laughs> but we kind of really got to know each other when you came into my membership and became a client. And um, that was very much when you were a dance school owner. Obviously, you still are. But I'm actually more excited to talk to everybody today about your new passion. Tell everybody a little bit, Fiona, about what it is that you do. Okay, so yes, I've been teaching for 20 years. I've had my own school for 10 years, just had our 10th anniversary. Um, But for the past couple of years, partly inspired and encouraged by Deborah, um, I have really kind of gone down this other, also alongside my school, um, avenue, which is really teaching, teaching teachers, training teachers on how to run preschool dance classes and lots of different trainings around preschool dance classes because for me that's a journey I have been on personally and it's something I've really got had to get to grips with over the years and now it's like my favorite thing and very much a specialism I've got like huge waiting list for all my earliest classes um which I know is triggering you Deborah because you don't like the idea of waiting list and I am building capacity (laughs) to get those kids off the waiting list that's my thing I'm really working on I've been working on it for about a year or so building capacity to get those kids off waiting list but yeah I mean that's my thing that's the thing I've got really good at and um so I want to kind of share that with people yeah brilliant so I'm sure everyone and anyone who runs early years classes is going to be listening really intently to this episode. Um, So, I mean, we'd all love to be in a position where we have waiting lists. Yes, I know I have some strategies around what you should do with the waiting list, but it's a great problem to have, isn't it? So first of all, tell us, you know, why do you think you've got those waiting lists? Some of the listeners may be really struggling, you know, with their numbers at the lower end. Yeah. Several things. So obviously I've I've over many years got very experienced at teaching preschool dance myself, but I do share my classes with other team members. Been doing that for a few years now. It took me a while to get there, the confidence to do that. Um, But I've built a system for how I can confidently share that with them and they can still give the same great experience, the same kind of class um, and same experience to, to the families. I I did re I'm probably one of the slightly maybe slightly unusual teachers that did see a gap in the market locally for school for a school, um, and so I I'm very lucky I've got a lovely facility with good parking and cafe and all the rest of it. But I still think actually even if I didn't have that, what I spotted was um, a gap in the market for classes that feel. They've got the best of tradition, but are also accessible. Um, and so they they kind of look and feel like a ballet class, but at the same time, it's um, 
all the things that I've learned from you, Deborah, really, um, but some of them I was already doing, um, thinking about parents, what's convenient for them, but thinking about what they really want overall and what they want for this age group is for them to feel safe. They want them, they want to know that they're being prepared for school. Um, they're not just coming into a traditional dance class, um, that they're really being prepared for school and that their kids gonna just have a nice experience and gonna, they're gonna build their self-esteem. It's all it's so many, so many things. And there is a kind of chemistry alchemy, isn't there? That you know, all these different things. I think I did partly just see a bit of a gap in the market locally. I've got a huge amount of competition around me. Um, there's lo loads of dance schools, actually, some of them locally, who I know actually quite well, um, and, you know, we do talk, um, it, uh, they're actually early years specialists as well. Um, you know, there's, there's lots out there. Um, but I think uh, it's that mixture of getting together your brand, your values, a lot of things I've done with you, um, and really also drilling down on well-planned, well-delivered classes. And there's just a gap in training, I think, in that um, at the moment for people, which is partly why I'm doing what I do. I think there's a whole load of reasons why we've got waiting lists. It's partly about the quality of the classes. A lot of it is about systems and marketing, et cetera, a lot of which you can help people with, of course, as well. But yeah, for me, I'm trying to focus on actually helping people plan and deliver excellent classes. Brilliant. So would you say that what helps you to stand out from other preschool classes is just a kind of a consistency in the experience? As you said, the branding, you've got really good at marketing. But when the kids come to your classes, what is it that you is important to you that they leave with? Yeah, it's very much about how we make them feel and the kind of environment we're creating. So instead of feeling the pressure to have like 50 props and nonstop music, what we're really doing is we're really making a safe environment, not just it be safe, but for them to feel safe. And one of the emphasis I, I give is really about calm. And if you've got, quite, obviously it's gonna be high energy moments in there, but if you've got plenty of calm and you're giving them time to kind of the brains to process and um, you know the brain connections to form, and you're giving time to actually connect eye contact smiles with the children and with each other, then it actually creates a, an environment that feels safe to them. You know, they, they don't really have a clue about what a safe environment is, but all they know is how they feel. So um, I think it's how they feel and it's the connection as well, that calm and connection with um, the world around. So one of the big emphasis for me is elevating the everyday. I talked about this in a seminar I did for you last year, and it's very much that thing, a bit like Disney do, where they kind of take anything to do with the world around them and uh, anything to do with everyday objects, places, um, you know, daily routines, day-to-day -day almost boring things. The natural world, obviously, is a massive thing. And making that exciting. But it doesn't have to be rocket science. It doesn't have to be, I think, I think the word creative or imaginative or magical used to really scare me years ago I felt like and I think people do feel like there's this pressure to be this Disney princess you know and and on the one hand yes there's definitely room for that and actually some parents do want a bit of that and of course you want to deliver a bit of that and it's quite nice to be that as well sometimes but um to actually sustain that through every class and for each teacher who's quite different because I know for myself and a lot of my own team, we don't really feel like we're that Disney princess type, you know, a um, bit more of Mary Poppins maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so 
I think it's about really um, just kind of taking little details and making them um, magical. So it might be um, things like, you know, if you're doing something about insects and you're doing um, caterpillars turning into butterflies, it's, you know, these things that people probably do in their classes, but it's how you do it. It's how you take the magical moment of transformation from a caterpillar into butterfly. So we go to sleep in a, um, oh, I can't even remember now if it's a chrysalis or cocoon, but I'll, it's on my nose. Um, and then, you know, we'll wake up, and we'll stretch and yawn, and then we'll be like, oh, wait, wait what's this? And, we'll, and then we'll be thinking, what's this? It's my, it's, I've got something different. This isn't my arm, it's a wing. And, and it's those tiny things. And I'm sure lots of people do this stuff, but it's making sure that our teachers, all of our teachers are going right down to those little details in those little moments and making magical moments from quite everyday type things. And I yeah. think that's what people want actually. And kids and love it. Yeah, and it's taking taking those moments that the children can relate to, isn't it? Things that they understand that's in their world because a, a lot of the world isn't still accessible to them. So it's really understanding the mindset of these younger children and, and what is part of their world and what isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember back to my days teaching preschool. I did my apprenticeship. <laughs> I at one stage taught 11 preschool classes a week. And one of the things I struggled with was to maintain that level of creativity. Like I found myself just doing the same little exercises over and over again. And I used to think to myself, my gosh, I am bored stupid taking these classes you know I'm, I'm sure the kids are too I just used to hope that because they only did it once a week <laughs> that they were still enjoyed it um but you know how how do you help teachers that feel like they've just run out of run out of imagination well I think really you've got to have uh, uh you know it comes back to it sounds boring but it, this is what it helps you create the magic when you've got a structure you know, so if you've got a structure in place, um, something I talk about on one of the trainings I do is um, SAME, but that's two S's, S-S-A-M-E. And um, the first S would be um, structure. And so that would be having something the same every week at the start and finish of class. So every week we they all come in with their own teddy. I do have some spares, but we encourage them to bring their own. And um, we sit with our teddy for the register and then uh, and we might t- give us something to talk about as well, doesn't it? And you know, if we've got assistance, it gives them something to talk about with them as well. And then um, we sit them down on the chairs at the side. They're going to be our audience. They're learning about audience and they watch us dance. And that's a comfort thing for them. So you've got structure. You've then got your story or journey. So you need to have a list of themes for the year or however long it is you you do. Um, And you don't need to have that many. It might be just one every half term. So you might have six. I have about 12 or 13 and I'm kind of rotating some in and out that I perhaps feel are a bit outdated now. um, And I'm gonna, you know, switch some other ones in. It's constantly evolving. Um, So you need some themes. Um, I've got a free uh, download of themes. If people go onto my mailing list, you can get that. Um, And once you've got your story or journey that you're gonna go through, it might be just a journey through a landscape. It doesn't have to be some incredible story necessarily, just exploring a landscape. Um, Then you can think about what kind of activities, once you've brainstormed things around that landscape or story, what kind of activities you're going to do. So what I do when I do my training is we talk about those transitions between those activities and we really brainstorm what that journey is. If the whole thing flows imaginatively, there's so much you can do. I mean, I've got lots of things I do where 
I can kind of switch up the order of it and change the story each week a little bit, you know, or develop it over a few weeks. Um, there is so much you can do when you just literally think about what is the story, what is the journey. So structure, story or journey, and um, then think about what activities. OK, so if we're going to go to Australia and be kangaroos, what are we going to be doing, you know, and then maybe we can get on a boat and go across to South America, wherever it is. That's quite a long way, actually. But, um, and then and also thinking about um, just thinking a bit about the story and journey thing, but sometimes just. So recently we had the coronation and uh, we were working towards uh, our show at the time. And one of our tap groups were doing Paddington and we're doing this song, London is the place for me. I'm not going to sing it. I need to start singing it. Um, London is the place for me. And I had, I kind of created, okay, so perhaps we could be going invited to the palace. And so we get our letter and then before the music and then our invite, and then we're going to go on the train so we went on the train and then we're going to go on a boat down the Thames then we all sat on the floor and rode down the boat down the Thames and we all went up to the march up to the palace banged on the door um and then danced with the king at the palace you know and that you can then think okay what are the, the skills I want to get in there and what are the fun moments I'm going to get in there so you can kind of think about um other things that are going on in the world as well as well as kind of general stories and journeys anyway so uh, think about your activities, then you can think about what music or props you might add in. And it's like one of the last things you want to think about. I see so many people on Facebook, teachers, who've probably just been told, go and teach a preschool class and they're a bit like bewildered. What, I don't really know where to start. It's, you know, it doesn't feel like there's much training out there, a starting point out there. So the starting point is, some, is sometimes what music should I use? What props can I use? Rather than thinking about an imaginative journey that really captures their imagination that flows from one thing to the next. So that's what I really focus on. Um, so structure, story, activities, music, and then your ending, which again is like a routine, a structure for each week. So they start and finish the class every week. And I think this is partly why we're successful as well. We start and finish the class every week in the same way. So we always rock our teddies to sleep at the end. And we always do a bit of what I call grown up ballet at the end as well. And I make it clear in the way we talk about our classes that it's they wear a ballet outfit and we always do a little bit of grown up ballet at the end and I think if you can go through that um when you're planning you, you can't really go wrong I think sometimes we're too scared of am I doing things right or wrong but you know if you're doing that and you're really thinking about everyday things that you can make magical that you can really make fun or cute or you know funny like when we do um uh we go to the seaside we go to the beach and under the sea um uh I put, I get us to put our sun cream. We always pack our beach bag and ask them what things we're going to put in the beach bag. They always come up with something random. And then um, if they don't say sun cream, I say, oh, what about sun cream? We have sun cream. And then I make a silly, silly um, kind of like a fart noise, but putting sun cream on. And they love that, you know, so it it, it connects with them. Humour is so good for connecting with them. Yeah. And they remember it as well. And it, you know, it captures their imagination. It's funny. Those little things that you can put in, I think, make a massive difference. I think we underestimate those things because we're thinking, how am I going to get them doing a lovely tonju, um, et cetera, et cetera. And you don't need to worry too much about that yet. So I thought I would just share with you guys today the um, planners that I have produced for dance school owners because these are flying out of Amazon like 
hotcakes. And if you don't have yours yet, then all you have to do is pop to Amazon and type into the search Deborah Laws and all three books will come up. So the ultimate dance business planner I designed for you so that you had a little bit of a Deborah on your desktop. (laughs) The planners are full of business training, tips, motivational quotes, uh, things to do at the start of the month, things to do at the end of the month, ways in which you can plan out your marketing and your retention. And they are selling all over the world. So go to Amazon, grab your number one best-selling ultimate dance business planner and enjoy mapping out the growth for your studio. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes we're so aware that this is the the start of their dance journey. We're very aware. We hear people talking about, you know, all the foundations, all the skills are built right at the very start. And sometimes, but sometimes don't you feel that too much emphasis is put on that, you know, and some people are too busy trying to get their three-year-olds to skip when in fact their motor skills mean that they're not even supposed to be able to skip till they're five or six. And of course they're different. Yeah. And how do you how do you go about trying to get that balance between teaching them some skills, developing them physically with coordination and motor skills, as well as obviously the fun and the imagination that makes them want to come every week? So I think it partly depends on what kind of school you've got. Um, So for some schools, if they're very elite based they might be very acro based you know they might have quite a long list of skills that they want to um put in but I think the main thing is and it sounds a bit silly but it's amazing how many people don't have this a list of skills that you want to be working towards not necessarily for them to complete at this age it won't be we want to have completed the xyz by this age it'd be nice if they can recall what they are that would probably be the first thing. So, you know, for them to know what a march is, to know what a skip is, you know, what a hop is, you know, um, to probably be able to jump from on two feet would be be, be the very, very first thing, really. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't have to be, um, yeah, it doesn't have to be super, super, super detailed in this. It could just be a list of, so I've got a list of ballet-specific positions and skills for this age. It's, there's like six things you know very few things and then I've got general movement things that you want to work on like jumping on two feet you know over some spots or whatever it might be um hopping on one foot certainly about four-ish you want to be getting that going um and uh making it clear what those skills are and just having it sounds silly but just having that um I think because it can all be in our heads like so many things you say that's a lot so many things could be in our heads but if we haven't actually got it down for us and for our teachers, then it doesn't really it doesn't really matter, does it? So I think simply p- pulling that together, this is something I help studio owners do, is pull together what their kind of overall curriculum is. And then you can go into more detail later. But you've got to think about what are the things that you want to cover, simply that. Yeah. And the thing is, at this age, there are very limited skills that they can do anyway. I mean, obviously you can do them in a certain way and you can use specific music that might fit with your genre. But at the end of the day, there's there's a there's only a limited number of things that these two, three, four year olds are able to do, isn't there? So it's yeah. really just a case of the way in which we're okay. we're putting that across to them. And without underestimating them and remembering that 
they will range massively as well. But I mean, there's tons of resources out there about what different children can do at different ages. And as long as you've got an idea of what those things are, we cover a bit of that in the course as well, then, you know, I, I think we worry too much about doing things wrong. I think there's too much worry about well, what's right and what's wrong. And I, as I said, I think the emphasis needs to be on imagination, calm and connection. And if you know what physical things you want to be covering or for them to be able to recall at least what they are, you know, what is a tight I'd call it tidy toes parallel together um you know or Quran or fifth or whatever you call it um I think as long as you've got those I call them cue words or cue phrases that like we, we talk about um how we hold our skirts I know different people hold skirts in different ways very controversial for dance teachers uh, we do like a rainbow shape so you know they, they have their rainbow arms they know what that means um so it's nice and round and um, those kind of things this is are really some of the things that I want them to learn at that age and um, ready for ready for the, the next stage and it also needs to match your classes you know there's fantastic licensed syllabus out there and franchises you do always need to be thinking about is it going to match my school age classes so that it flows um, and it's finding things that are actually going to flow into your school age classes. Otherwise, it's going to feel very strange for that child when they go from one to the next. Yes, absolutely. And let's be clear, what you don't do is have a syllabus. You're not a franchisor, you're not a licensee, you're not teaching, um, you're not actually teaching them a, a syllabus or selling a brand. What you do is you help people to create their own yes. preschool classes. Yes. That's right. I have trainings for teachers, which some studio owners have done as well, uh, which is about planning and delivering classes. But then I also have separate trainings. Um, I have done some one to one work, but it's mainly in a small group helping studio owners really get together their vision of what their unique recipe is for their classes and how that's going to work for them with in their locality, with their USP, with their values, all the things that you teach, Deborah, um, you know, so that it's, they can really then market them confidently, knowing that everyone's going to get a consistent experience. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I love what you're doing. I love the fact that you're allowing people to, to create their own beautiful experience coming that comes from them because like you said when they flow up into higher up in the school they're still going to have you and your team and your values so we want you know we don't want that big disparity between them they move from the early years into the you know mm -hmm. the middle school or the lower school whatever everyone calls it mm -hmm. um i'm interested to ask you a question Fiona, because some a lot of principals tend to put their youngest teachers in charge of the preschool. Um, but I also know some that have been principals for 20 years and they still run those classes themselves. Like there's a there's a thought process about whether you put your most experienced or your least experienced in with the early, the early years. What are your thoughts on that? I do believe it's likely that you're older, more, ex it's not really about older or younger, it's about experience, isn't it? Um, your more experienced teachers probably need to be with, with, with the young kids. However, saying that, saying that, I really, one of the things I really believe is that pe we let people think they are not good with little ones. And so we, people can come into teaching, they can be brilliant teachers and they can 
go through, you know, years of teaching and never be given a preschool class when they could have been. And, you know, for me at the moment, I've got to try and build capacity in my preschool classes because I've got these big waiting lists. I've got to constantly think, right, can I give that teacher some training so that they can deliver this preschool class in the way I want them to? Um, I know this music to your ears, Deborah, because you love about, things about us training our teachers. Um, but that's really what we need to be doing. And it might mean, it might mean some hard work. It might mean them shadowing me for a while. So I've actually got three new teachers starting with me in September, um, all for nice reasons. My teachers are, are, are leaving me for nice reasons. Um, but yeah, I've got to really have them shadow me. We might be team teaching for a while. I'm going to give them a lot of resources, actual digital resources. Um, I will be giving them a lot of guidance about how they can be creative within that. And I think, I think as long as, I think it's this balance. Um, I was just thinking last night, I was watching something with my son last night. I love watching cookery programs with my son and we love anything about hospitality. And there's a series at the moment about hospitality on iPlayer with um, Tom Kerridge. Um, and uh, yeah, we love watching all the stuff. He wants to be a chef, which would be great. Um, and we love watching all the stuff about restaurants and the behind the scenes stuff. And something I think that really comes out is that you've got to have this very consistent experience in a Michelin star restaurant oh my goodness, because you might lose a star and the pressure under, and I think it's a bit like that for us. It can, I was thinking, oh, this is just like us. It can feel, you know, I could have gone years. I think maybe if I hadn't met you, Deborah, I could have gone on for years thinking, well, this is my thing. I'm really good at this. No one else could do it like I do it. And um, to not trust somebody else, but it's not about just trusting someone else. It's actually giving them the resources and the training to do it so that they can give that consistent experience that's going to keep your reputation. But also you have to give them flexibility within it. So I think it's about giving them the parameters. These are the things we try and cover. These are the things we're going to include every week. These are the ingredients we try and include every week. Don't worry too much about X, Y, Z, because there might be some things that you just don't want to do. Um, this is the kind of look and feel. This is the kind of brand values, um, the style very much of what we do. So these kinds of, this kind of music, etc. cetera. Um, and I think if you can strike that balance, I don't think it matters how old somebody is or even how, ex how experienced they are. I believe they can learn um, the skills. I, on my course, we talk very much about how you actually manage because I think that's the scary thing for a lot of newer teachers is actually managing a class of little ones can feel very scary myself I I just when I started I had no idea I'm really glad that I was thrown in with preschoolers that I did have to learn it because I think otherwise I probably wouldn't have made myself do it um, and I'm really glad now that I was thrown in there um but yeah you have to um You've got you've got to be thinking about how you're actually going to interact with them and that that feeling of kind of how do I herd them? We cover all that on my training, um, but there's so much you can impart your own wisdom as a studio owner. And I think teachers do want to learn; they want to get tools under their belt, and you can sell it to them <laughs> as daytime hours. You can earn in daytime hours. You know, this is what I'm trying to do now: is think, okay, I, then I can find some teachers. I can give give some of my teachers more daytime hours win-win you know they'll love that um so I think you can sell it to them as well yeah and I, and I really liked the way that you know I, I 
you mentioned how you know you have always been really great at teaching this age group you love you've got a real passion for this age group and it's really difficult to pass that on to other teachers because you do have this oh my gosh what if they don't have that same passion what if they're now not as skilled what if they're not just just not their bag you know and this is an area that's so important to me but of course when you're successful it grows and there's only so many classes that you can teach but what I love about the fact that you've now created this system this structure this training this mentoring for these teachers is that this now gets passed on so when you know we're no longer teaching you and I (laughs) are you know a few years down the line it's really lovely because what you can do is continue to pass this legacy down and I think when you start to learn how to do that so for studio owners you might not even be teaching this age group but potentially Fiona's course will give you the tools to learn how to put all this together so you can then mentor your teachers and so those teachers then can become really great early years teachers in your school and I think it is that you know acceptance that other people can do just as good a job as you as long as the training and the mentoring has been exceptional then you know there's no reason there can't be 10 mini use teaching these classes right and and I think we have to I I actually so I've always been great this age I wasn't when I started I really really wasn't ever you know I had this is that classic thing of my struggle became my strength um it really was a struggle I had to really work hard at putting together some plans and um and how do I how do I interact with these children um but I I would love for other teachers to know that they can do that and with probably quicker they you know basically I want to give people the shortcut a starting point the shortcut so they don't have to spend years figuring this out but they've got all the tools they need to go and go oh right I need to be doing that I need to be doing that um and uh, yeah that ripple effect you know like you say the legacy that we can give to the children and to the parents oh my goodness these parents love being able to come to our classes each week um, I don't actually have parents in my class but just the fact that they love having somewhere to come they love that their kids get this lovely experience it feels like a second home this ripple effect that we have in our schools and like you say, the legacy for teachers, I think it's really important that we believe in our teachers and we can show, I felt like when I learned how to teach this age group, it felt like a, it felt like I had this superpower. (laughs) It feels like a superpower. And I think if you can give that to your teachers, that's just amazing. What a wonderful tool to have under their belt and for life, Um, you know, But also it's an asset if you can really get together your curriculum, craft a curriculum um, that suits your school particularly, that's a fantastic asset as well. Yeah. And I love because actually a lot of what you've spoken about, a lot of people might think, well, yes, I do that. And and yes, I do bits of that. But actually, it's putting it all together, isn't it? In something that really works. And I love your um, analogy of it being like ingredients, like we all kind of know how to make a cake, but only some of them taste really great. And it sounds to me like, you know, your course just helps everybody to tie those little ends together and create something that works, as we've mentioned many times consistently week in and week out without becoming dull like I'm sure my classes might have become dull after a while I just needed all of this when I was 24 Fiona where were you there hasn't been but this is the thing there hasn't been this is why I started this so inspired by yourself and encouraged by yourself but you know there it's actually very hard to find just specific training on how to plan and deliver imaginative classes that flow that you know that you feel safe teaching these little ones and managing them there isn't that much out there so um so that's why I'm here 
Yeah, because there's actually, um, there are lots of, as we've mentioned before, licensed programs or franchises that you can buy. Yeah. And, <laughs> I'm not knock- and I'm not knocking any of them. I oh. think they're all absolutely amazing. And they're really great for people that, that really just want to buy into a brand. They love that brand. The brand suits them. And there's a ready-made, you know, yeah. curriculum and syllabus. I think that's wonderful. Not everybody wants to do that. So if they don't want to do that, what are the options? Will you just struggle making it up as you go along? So um, I think what you're doing is fabulous. Where can people find you? Um, so the easiest thing is to join my Facebook group. If you're on Facebook, I mean, I am on Insta as well. Um, I'm Teach Preschool Dance. You might have known me as Vanilla Dance previously, um, but we've rebranded this year. So it's Teach Preschool Dance on Insta um, or my Facebook group is Teach Preschool Dance Community. So if you just go into groups in Facebook, Teach Preschool Dance Community. Brilliant. And we'll drop the link as well in the show notes for that. Um, Fiona, I love to finish our interviews with just some silly quickfire questions. And the whole purpose of these, now I know you might struggle with this, but the whole purpose of this is that you answer the first thing that comes off of the top of your head. And then be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you guys I didn't say that. (laughs) Okay, are you ready? Yes. Favourite ice cream? Rum raisin. Favorite business book? Reset Your Mindset by Natalie Ekdahl. I think her name is, I don't know how you spell it, E-C-K, I can't remember how you spell it, but it's called Reset Your Mindset. Fantastic. Fantastic. I'll go and look at that one. Um, Favorite holiday destination? (gasps) Italy. Italy. Anywhere anywhere in particular? Oh, uh, well, I've only been to Florence and I really want to go to Bologna. Bologna. Oh. You know how you say it probably. It's like the foodie place, apparently. So the foodie good. place. Oh, that sounds good. Anywhere that's all about food would suit me. <laughs> Someone from the past that's no longer with us that you would love to spend 15 minutes with? Not just from the dance world. Uh, Steve Jobs. I mean, business mm-hmm. world. I think, you know, who wouldn't want to sit down with Steve Jobs? Yeah, I get in that brain for 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and what about somebody that is still with us that you would love to spend 15 minutes with? Maybe one of my old dance teachers. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, like maybe I won't name, but um, I think one of my old dance teachers, because I just feel like I want to really thank them and um, say all the things that I, yeah, that I really want to say to them. Lovely. Well, of course, you can make that happen if that's something like, that you wanted yeah, to do. Right. That, that could be lovely. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, let's finish with your fav- favourite ballet. <gasps> La Female Gaudet. Oh, that's mine. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's just joy. It's like, and- I call it the panto oh, ballet. It's just yeah. so easy to consume yeah. and watch, isn't it? And I yeah. go on about it. My, my kids in my school are kind of a bit tired of the music now because I use it all the time. And I would quite happily just educate them about that ballet. Oh, it's just, it's the, as a first ballet, I think it was the first one I saw uh, on uh, the Royal with uh, Leslie Collier. And um, I think uh, it's just magical. It's so funny. The mime in it, just, it's got all the ingredients. The music, like everything has gorgeous. It, yeah. Oh, love it. Ponies. Oh, Ponies. Well, let's. <laughs> Let's end on our thoughts about Afil Magade. Those of you that are listening that are from the classical world, um, 
Fiona, it's been really insightful and really interesting hearing your um, ideas and your perspective around early years classes. And I'm sure that some people have, you know, really taken a lot away from this. But of course, if they want to learn a lot more, then um, as I've already mentioned, they can come and find you and find out about your courses because it sounds like you're doing some great things. Fiona, thank you so much. Really enjoyed hanging out with you today. Thanks for having me. Bye. So I wanted to quickly tell you a little bit about Showtime Circus. This is run by my good friend, Jess, who has created an incredible circus bolt-on franchise for your dance school. Because aerial and circus performance skills has become a really desirable skill set for choreographers and casting directors. And so Showtime Circus offers the opportunity to buy a franchise package which will give you all of your necessary equipment, training from experienced staff, syllabus plans, ongoing support, and business support to launch your new franchise. It will really energize your school with increased revenue streams, new student opportunities, and of course, bring all the fun of the circus to your school. So do go and visit showtimecircus.co.uk to find out what the new buzz is around circus skills.